Hey, everybody, quick announcement before we get started. If you love podcasts, you do not want to miss Now Hear This. Now Hear This is a really big podcasting festival, and it's coming to the Los Angeles area this October. We here at The Longest Shortest Time have an awesome show planned. We're going to be doing a live version of Kids Ask Unanswerable Questions. I can't wait to do it. I can't wait to meet you. There will be other shows there that you love, like The Moth, Criminal, Embedded, and lots, lots more. Grab a VIP pass for meet and greets with your favorite hosts, and single day passes are now available. So if you can only make it for one day, make sure it's Sunday because that's the day when we're performing. Tickets are on sale now for Now Hear This, October 28th through the 30th in Anaheim, California, just a short ride from Los Angeles. Get tickets and see the whole lineup at nowhearthisfest.com, and I'll see you there. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hillary Frank, and I'm here in our studio with my editor, Peter Clowney. Hi, Peter. Hi. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for being here. Thrill. So, you know, Peter, you play a big role in this show. You edit the show, but nobody ever hears your voice. So we're going to change that today. We're going to take the listeners behind the scenes into our world. That's my pleasure and my anxiety. So <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Um, so, so I want to ask you something first off that a lot of people ask me, and actually that my daughter asked me this morning, my six-year-old, when <laughs> I told her that we were going to come into the city and I was going to see my editor, Peter, and she said, I don't know what you're talking about. I do not know what an editor is. <laughs> <laughs> And I think I think that's something that a lot of people think when they hear the word editor. So what the hell does an editor do? It's a hard thing to explain, right? Because there are editors in all sorts of fields, and a lot of people think it means that I'm sitting there cutting the tape and mixing the story. I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, really, I'm there to listen and ask questions about anything that confused me or made me curious, sort of as the proxy of the audience. And so, yeah, I mean, an editor is like your intellectual partner on the project. It's really a relationship based on trust. And that's, that's, what, um, that's what I love about it. I trust you. <laughs> Most you of the time. Yeah, right. Today on The Longest Shortest Time, we put Peter to the editorial test. Will you pass, Peter? I hope so. <laughs> right, Probably well, not. We'll find out. So, Peter, we're going to get to the behind-the-scenes stuff, but first, I want people to get to know you. Um, so, like, what should people know about you? Like, tell tell people about, like, where you work and, and where you live and, and tell them about your family. Yeah, so I live in Minnesota, which is weird, I know, but I moved out there a bunch of years ago to work for American Public Media, and we grew roots. So, my wife, Julia, is a psychotherapist, and my son, Owen, and daughter, Tadelich, are both in school. Owen's 12, Tadelich is 10. And you saw both of them come into my life. That's right. Um, and, uh, you know, one's, one's, you know, made it home and one's adopted. So it's like a fantastic adventure for us. It's the best. I could not recommend that mix more. Um, for the past year, I've been head editor at Gimlet Media, which is another podcasting company. And for uh, like 22 years before that, I was in public radio, um, as you were. And I was an editor at a bunch of different programs um, there. Um, at Gimlet, I work uh, on the shows Reply All and Startup. 
So, Peter, we've known each other for a long, long time, um, like 15 years, I think. Um, we met when you worked at Studio 360, the arts and culture show, and I reported stories for you. But I knew your name before we worked together because you were one of the first producers at This American Life. And I always heard your name in the credits, and it was, like, just this, like, legendary name to me. Um, I like that you say that because my name is so ridiculous. <laughs> it's such a stupid name. <laughs> the idea that it could be legendary is very, very helpful. So, And actually, because of your last name, I pictured a guy with, like, a giant afro. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I would enjoy that, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, so I loved being edited by you, and I had this term that I would use when I would say that I had been edited by you, and that is, um, I would say, I got clownied. Right. So, <laughs> so do you know what that means? I mean, you've told me a little bit, but tell me, what, what does it mean? So, so it means when you get your ass kicked, but you like it. Do I just leave you there with your ass kicked and you're just sprawled? Once? <laughs> I hope not. No, it's like it's you kick a person's ass in a way that makes them feel like I like you just tore me you just tore me a new one but like <laughs> I have the power to put it all back together. <laughs> sure. I mean I I feel like that's that's why we need editors, right? It's like to pull apart the things so that we can put it back together so it's stronger than when we brought it to them. And it shouldn't feel it should feel like like you trust me, but not that you're totally comfortable. If that's right. Well, I think that I really learned when I was really young and starting out and doing this was that um, you would leave enough room for me to figure out how to solve a problem myself. Right. You would identify the problem and say, like, it needs to be fixed. Here's a suggestion. But, like, like you actually literally once said to me, like, you write it, writer. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think the job of an editor is really not to write the thing but to pull it out of the talent you, you know. I did take it as a compliment. That, yeah. Like, you think I can handle this. <laughs> yeah. Not dismissive. <laughs> like, uh, I need to go home now. Yeah. Um, so we've been working together all these years, but we've never lived in the same city. That's Even, true. Like, we've lived in different cities. Right. But never in the same one at the same time. Um, we do everything remote. So I want to explain to people our process. Okay. So I, I work with my producer, um, Abigail, who's sitting in the control room right now, um, and we work together to make like a story structure. And then you and I do a thing where we get on the phone or on like a video chat and I live read the stuff I've written and um, I fire the clips of tape for you. And then you listen. And if I can get a laugh out of you... <laughs> It is. It just feels like the biggest success. <laughs> um, but then you give feedback, and and so like, what's it like for you on your end? What are you doing when you're listening? I'm taking a million notes. I'm, and if I'm not taking notes, I'm playing with a Rubik's cube or some other like fidget device, so I don't get distracted. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It became such a thing when I was at American Public Media that when they gave me my goodbye party, like it was embarrassing how much like the theme was. Rubik's cubes, like the cake was. It was really. I was a bit. I mean, I am a dork, but that was extra. Wow, dorky. this seems like yeah. a big thing that I don't know about you because we've never <laughs> lived see, in the same. We yeah. never see each other when we're doing an edit. That's that's so funny. really funny. Well, yeah. I also, even in the video chat, you can't see it because it's just you to see my mug, not my hands. Um, so if I'm not, I'll. I like to write by hand, but a lot of times in the hangouts, I'll be typing. But about half the time, I'm just doing a puzzle. Um, to and I'll write down the stuff that jumps out at me. I don't have to say what the note is. I'll remember what the note is. I just write a, a few of the words. 
So, you know, sometimes we're in edits and things happen in those edits that I wish we could share with listeners because they're just like notable or funny, um, but they really have no place in the episode. Uh And so I want to talk about some of those moments. Okay. So I want to start with episode 79. That's the one um, with Terry Gross. Oh, yeah. And you and I both both know Terry Gross for different reasons. Uh, I know her because my husband worked on her staff for a while. And and how do you know her? Back when I was um, really a kid, just starting off in in public radio, I I cut tape on Fresh Air. So actual reel-to-reel tape for about a year. Um, And did research for the show and stuff. And then later when I was back at WHYY as an arts reporter, I got to be sort of... um, you know, when the guest hosts come in and they just read the copy before and after the interview, but they only they don't really do interviews very often. <laughs> I did that a few times, like about, I don't know, three or four weeks worth. And that was amazing because I, I was so nervous they had to roll some bass in on my voice to make it sound more like I belonged on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I know. Danny Miller is like, I'm sorry I'm doing this to you, Clowny, but uh, yeah. Um so I interviewed Terry about not having kids right. and and the choices she made around that. Was, that was a very a conscious decision that she made. Um, and so if you know Terry, if you like know Terry's staff, if you work at Fresh Air, you know that it is a cat-loving staff. <laughs> Actually, when we lived in Philadelphia, her staff members talked me into getting a cat. I, I had never had a furry pet before. <laughs> and I just, like, I had this feeling like I wanted one, but I didn't want to put in the work of, like, a dog. Right. And so they, when when I, like, hinted around that I thought I might want to get a cat, they got so excited. And um, and Roberta Sherrock, the director of Fresh Air, actually found my cat for me when he was a little kitten. And she she had seen him in this, like, pet supply store where they had cats you could adopt. And um, this kitten had, like, his paw around the other kitten, like, cuddling it. That's, that's adorable. <laughs> and she was like, I think you need this cat. That's great. <laughs> and that's the cat I have. Um, and so so Terry is also a cat person. Um, we talked about it in the episode. Here's a clip. This is going to sound horrible, so I'll preface it with that. When I see, like, a cute cat or a cute dog, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> you know? And when I see a cute baby, like, I'm not the first person to, like, oh, please, can I hold it? I've just never—I've never been that person. So, Peter, we, we were sitting and editing, editing that story. You were at home, at your home, and I was at mine, and I was playing you this tape over Hangouts, and you heard a meow— in right. the background while I was playing the tape. And do you remember what you said to me? I think so. I mean, I was I was just like, why aren't you acknowledging that Terry Gross's cat is meowing in this interview? We're all hearing it, right? <laughs> and I'm like, that's cool that Terry's cat is in this interview. Let's why are you ignoring that? Because you were like imagining that Terry was at home with her cat or something while I was while I was interviewing her. But she was she was in fact in her studio. <laughs> With no cat. Right. That was your cat. It was my cat you were hearing. I was really disappointed because I thought, like, I was getting this slice of Terry's life. Like, that. oh, that's what that's the scratchy meow of you Terry's cat. You were just cat. getting a slice of my life. Uh, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I. But you have a cat, too. <laughs> I have three cats, which is crazy. Yeah. Three cats. I know. It's not, a, it's not a good idea. And one of your cats often shows up in our edits. It's true. She climbs up on my shoulders and rubs on my head and stuff. It's really awkward, actually. People look at me super weird when that's happening. Yeah, it's super awkward. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So, so sometimes we cut tape from an interview that is great tape, but for one reason or another, it just doesn't work in the context of the show. Um, and there's this scene that we cut from the Terry interview that I actually think you've never even heard. Hmm. So, so I want to play that for you. Um, so I'm going to just set this up for you. When we were recording the interview, I was in this studio that we're in right now in New York, and Terry was in her studio at WHYY in Philadelphia. And um, her producer, Anne-Marie Baldonado, was in the control room. And uh, you know Anne-Marie. Yes. She, she has worked on Fresh Air for a long time. She guest hosts for Terry sometimes, and she actually even guest hosted for me last week. And Anne-Marie and I have been good friends for many years. And so I remember Amory telling me this story about Terry coming to visit her at the hospital, like right right after she gave birth to her first child. And I've heard this story a lot because it's something that Amory's husband Rick loves to tell. Um, so I invited Amory to join Terry on the mic and like sit there and tell Terry this story from her perspective. It was actually maybe a day or two after I had the baby, and I think I was still kind of in a, a haze, you know, pretty much out of it, um, and. Rick, when Rick tells a story, he said he remembers holding the baby when you came in. And then it was just like there were lots of people coming to visit. So a lot of people come in and want to hold the baby. And so his instinct was just like, do you want to hold the baby? So he pretty much shoved the baby in your face <laughs> and gave the baby. And from his perspective, he's like, okay, I just gave Terry the baby. I don't know if she wanted the baby. She's kind of holding the baby. Don't know if she wants to be holding the baby. And then like from his perspective, you're kind of like, okay, how long do I need to hold the baby? Okay, now I'll give the baby back. <laughs> But yeah, so that's how we remember the story. Does that sound about right, Terry? <laughs> bad. Yeah, yeah, it probably does sound right about, about right. Um, I always feel very incompetent when I'm holding a baby. <laughs> so, Peter, we, we cut that scene from the episode, and it was actually really meaningful to Terry. She She emailed me and asked me to send her the tape as a keepsake because she kind of missed it from the episode. And the reason we cut it was that there was another moment in the interview where I got her talking about how uncomfortable she is holding babies, and it was more sort of related to an experience I had had with her. And it seemed to flow better, and it seemed redundant to have these two conversations. Um, But it is good tape. Do you think it was the right call to cut it? I mean, I I remember... That other moment she talks about being uncomfortable with holding babies, and I think it has the same sort of payoff. I think Anne Marie is so delightful to listen to that, like I'm, I'm, you know, I want her <laughs> in anything. Um, I think it's fine to to cut that. I mean, I trust you on that. I I I love how how warm that exchange is, on, despite the fact that it's about her not wanting to hold her producer's kid. <laughs> <you know? laughs> And that's Terry, right? Like, in fact, yeah. don't you think that as as she gets a little older, she's she's um, sharing more personal stuff on the show? It seems that way. It yeah. feels that way to me, which is amazing because for years it was always like she let out a little a little morsel, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like she's telling more more personal things, like what she told you. I love that show that she did with you. I thought that was she was so great. She really was. She's really generous and and just I don't know. She's she's willing to not be sure about things in a way that's really. Awesome. And then she nailed me with a big Terry Gross question. Of course at the she end. did. <laughs> you would not respect her otherwise. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I, I kind of I, I guessed that that would be coming. Yeah. Coming up, 
Peter clownies me into describing a smell better. We'll find out if I made him happy. Stay with us. Oh, Lord. We're back, giving you the inside scoop on our editorial process with our editor, Peter Clowney. So, Peter, there's this episode we did called W. Kamau Bell Asks His Mom About Sex. I remember. Yeah, and and it was really fun to do. It was with um, the comedian W. Kamau Bell, and he is talking to his mom about, like, her sex life when he was a kid, which he thought was non-existent, and turns out he was absolutely wrong about that. Yeah, he had willful, mo- willful mom sex blindness, I think, at some point there. Yeah, and I just, I love how, like, we were totally expecting his mom, Janet, who's 79, to, like... <laughs> Uh, be maybe a prude or yeah, not, yeah. Or just, like, be, yeah, be, like, timid that about... we had to open her up. Exactly. Yeah. It was, like, right off the bat. <laughs> she was just going there and going beyond there. <laughs> I mean, I was really looking forward to that interview because I'd heard him talk about her. I can't remember where, like, maybe on Terry Gross or something. But uh-huh. And, you know, she's this superhero who, like, wrote books about famous African-American quotations and, like, taught, like history classes at whatever school he went into, you know. I mean, she's she's a powerful force, you know. But I did not expect her to be so charming and revealing and, like, funny and, like, to make him so uncomfortable. And so I remember in that edit that you were, like, um, wanting more, actually. You were, you were wanting more of Kamau's story because he has two kids right. and he's married. You were feeling like there was something missing. I mean that happens sometimes, right? And sometimes we can get it. I mean, one of the one of the great things is that you and I know each other so well. We can work fast. One of the bad things about the fact that we work fast is that I don't get to like be with you to say like, let's go re- re-interview Kamal Bell. Like we don't get to take sort of two or three swings at some interviews, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think I wanted to know a little bit more about like the differences between what he was hearing about the way she hid her sex life and the way what does he tell his kids about you know intimacy and stuff. I mean, in that show, I remember she talks about the sacrifices that she gave up. I think she's happy being single, um, but also she put her her kid first, like very consciously in her life, and that feels a little, I don't know, unfair or like a big trade off, you know. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I was really satisfied with that interview. But I think, you know, what you look to me for is to be dissatisfied with things. That's and to, true. Yeah, and look, yeah, and hunt for more. Um, so there's another episode we did recently called A Childless Man Makes Edible Placenta. Right. And that is where we sent Latif Nasser, who works for Radiolab, um, to, well, we sent him to my house um, to uh, learn about the world of placenta encapsulation, which is a thing that, um, well, had you heard about placenta encapsulation? I mean, I thought I had, but in the episode, I learned that I really didn't know what I was talking about. So we had a um, doula come to my house and like walk me and him and Abigail through the process of making placenta pills, which is like a trendy thing that some moms are doing. And and the people who are really into it say that it helps with postpartum depression. So, but we were just for the purposes of this episode, mainly just uh, watching the process. So, so the placenta comes out. It's really, really hot that day, and um, it, the placenta had just like come out of this cooler. And 
suddenly the kitchen really smelled. And and the doula had said that it would smell like steak. And it absolutely did not smell like steak. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried to write into the script what I thought it smelled like. I think I wrote something like, um, I don't know how to describe the smell to you except to say that it was distinctly human. Right. And you were unhappy with that well, description. Well, yeah. I mean, like, what does that tell me? <laughs> like, there are a lot of parts of the human, right? Yeah. I mean, so what did you do? So I went back and uh, was trying to rewrite this thing and was really having a hard time. And so I just, like, got on my mic and tried ad-libbing a bunch of stuff to oh, try Like to, you riffed. Yeah. Yeah, to, like, try to come up with a, a description that would be more to your liking. Sure. Um, and Abigail has pulled the what she's calling the Hillary smell reel. <laughs> That's great. So we're going to hear that. The smell was really a lot. It smelled like rotting flesh. I felt like I was not supposed to be smelling this thing. Uh, it smelled like it had come out of a body. It was not like steak. Like, like it smelled like something that was meant to be in a hospital. I suddenly had this like image of like oversteamed vegetables, like like oversteamed <laughs> asparagus or something like this sort of like that. So, so that, that's sort of like all the different takes of me trying to get this right. And clearly like I, I still never did get it right. Um, <laughs> no, but when you did the vegetables there, I mean, I totally got that kind of foot pungency of like overcooked broccoli or something. The thing is when I was writing that line, I don't know how to describe it other than I was writing it and thinking in my head, Peter's going to kill me for this. <laughs> but I don't know what else to do. <laughs> I mean, that's fine too, right? Yeah. Like, I, I always think it's better just to plug something and then you'll get help on the other side. Like, no one has can just, I don't know, some people, I guess. Can, just do it and you'll get clownied. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the other interesting thing about this episode right. is that your son, Owen, was sitting in um, on your end right. listening to this. Um, and remind me, how old is Owen? He's 12 right now. And um, the reason he was listening in, I was actually in New York and you were in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. I was at Gimlet's offices that week. And mm -hmm. he had, it was over the summer, so he had come out to be with me. He loves podcasts and he just wanted to like be by my side while we did edits all week. Because since you live in Minnesota, you'll spend like a week at a time in New York. Yeah, I'm out here about a week a month. Mm -hmm. And so Owen had come with me that, that week. So he was sitting with you. And before we played the episode, I was like, I saw him sitting there and I was like, should we sort of warn Owen what this story is about? Right. <laughs> and you said, no, I'm making a choice. Right now he knows he's going to hear some grown-up stuff. Yeah. Uh, and he listened, and he had some things to say about the episode at the end. He said, I don't understand why they don't just cook it up yeah. like food and eat it. Yeah. Why are they putting it in pills? It's a pretty good question, right? Because mm -hmm. it feels like the pills exist partly to distance us from the physicality of it. Um, he's such a great intuitive listener to things, and um, I love that he does that. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Would you have let your kid listen to the placenta? Your kid's younger. Wait, my kid is six, yeah, so yeah. no. No, no. <laughs> but at 10, do you think you're going to get there? Or? I can't even conceptualize what 10 will be like. I She'll don't be know. there, like, in a snap. I know. Yeah. I know. I think I'll, I'm going to do what she feels ready for. Yeah. Yeah. I also think, like, I'm not going to do it by age because yeah. every kid has different maturity levels with different things. Right, and every so. kid is crazy. So it's like yeah. just what their own particular hang-up is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything else you wanted to say about the placenta story? 
I love that you did it. I love that it was a two-part episode. Those are good for me because I feel like we get to go into unexpected corners of things. Yeah. Um, and I love that the whole approach of the show um, is to take, I mean, you take weird stuff and show the normal inside it, or you take everyday experiences and you show the weirdness inside. You know, that's just... The weirdness inside. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's really, really humanizing as a program. So that, I thought that was good. Thank you. Yeah. In a minute, we'll see if Peter can give us some advice on a story we just don't know what to do with. Don't go away. <laughs> We're back with our editor, Peter Clowney. So, Peter, as you know, we take a lot of listener submissions at this show. And I like stories about things that surprise me and, like, make me see the world a little bit differently. Um And sometimes we get pitches that I really want to do, but there's just not really enough of a story for it to fill a show. And part of your job um, is to help us figure out what to do with those extra little bits. So we're going to talk about one example of that. And and you've heard about this story. I've told you about it, but um, I actually did the interview and you haven't heard any tape from it. So you're going to be hearing this tape for the first time. So we got this story that came in a while ago and I found it really intriguing. So I called up this woman and recorded an interview with her. And and here's the gist. Um, This woman got pregnant and noticed something weird under her arm. She thought it was like a skin tag. So she goes to the doctor. And he's like, well, this is really normal. And this is very common. And I was like, well, it's not then if you're telling, if that's how you're going to start the conversation. It's like, okay. He's like, so those aren't actual skin takes. Those are actually extra nipples. And then I wanted to like curl into a ball and die. So <laughs> this, that's just where this story starts. It, right. goes, it goes from there. Um, we love this interview. It's got like really interesting medical stuff to it. And also she's really reflective, but it, it won't fill an entire show. So we're having trouble figuring out how to turn it into an episode. And and so, like, can you – let's, like, do our process sure. here. What advice do you have? What are some options of what we could pair this with? Well, what happened when she found out they were nipples? What did she do next? So she wanted to get them removed and found out she couldn't get them removed right. because um, if she planned on breastfeeding – they were um, probably going to lactate. So she has to live with these through the time that she nurses. Yes. So it, it's it's a story. I don't want to give everything away, but sure, she, you like, yeah. she sort of wrestles with her body in a way that she never has had to before. Well, that's that's the thing too, right? I mean, because you, I feel like we've done stories before about how alienating it can be, not just when you're pregnant, but when you have any sort of problem. So depending where she lands and like how she copes with it, I think another story of that type might be actually pretty interesting um, about just coming through it. How do you feel about the interview itself? Let me ask first of all. I'm really happy with it. Yeah, you are. Does it come to an ending that you like? Yeah. But you think it's like a half show? Yes. I see. I see. What do you want to do? What are you you dreaming of? I want to like, I want to find another story to pair with it. Yeah. But, but of the, of the same flavor, so that's the or like thing, a channel like, switch. Should it be about another physical anomaly, right? Or should it be about breastfeeding? Or should it be about just the ways that, like, maybe it doesn't have to be as weird of a thing as nipples under your armpits. Maybe it could just be like the ways that your body changes 
I I'm always interested in hearing more stories, maybe in like um, you know sort of appetizer plate form from the audience about other, things like this they've gone through. Um, but you know, sometimes there's not a perfect story to pair with something else, and it's okay to just let that be the the real story, and then do like a letter bag or something else in the mm-hmm. other half. Yeah, I mean, should we talk about why themes don't work sometimes? Sure. Because one of my one of the things I learned when I was editing Studio Three Hundred and Sixty back in the day, when every show was about a theme, was that if you try to line up too many stories in a row that are about the same idea, that you can wear that idea out. So. At the base level, like if you did two stories in a row that were about unexpected nipples and coping with them, you'd you'd be comparing the two in your head, and you wouldn't you'd be like meta listening. You'd be like picking them apart instead of being swept up by them, right? It can be boring. So um, that's the question, right? Is whether the first story leads into something else in that, like you say, uh, about body anomalies or coping with stuff. Um, I can't wait to hear that tape. So I want to put this to the audience. Sure. Um, people out there, if you have a story of, I don't know, a medical anomaly or something totally different that you think could thematically fit with this extra nipple story, even though we have heard from Peter that themes don't always work, <laughs> <laughs> we might as well give it a try. <laughs> Send your story in to hello at longestshortesttime.com. I love how you use the audience. I think it's really good. I love that they record their voices. Yeah. So I asked some 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 Gimlet listeners who are fans of yours mm-hmm. uh, for questions mm-hmm. just a little bit before coming in the studio today. Okay, great. <laughs> and I know it's your show, so I won't like foist a lot on you, but I just have one I want to read to you. Okay, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. The screen name is Scrocket. <laughs> she okay. lives in Baltimore. That's all I know about her. Um, she... Uh, it's a very open question. This is a big fan of yours. And she says, what do you hope your show provides for listeners? And how has that evolved since it first started? Mm, good question. Yeah. So in the beginning, um, it was very much about me processing what happened to me when I had a baby. It was very like a selfish kind of like, I want to bond with other people so that I don't feel so alone. Yeah. And then it very quickly became... You know, because I didn't even know people were going to be listening to it. I just like made this podcast and put it out there. It was six years ago. Like podcasting wasn't very big back then in, in the way that it is now. So um, it turned out that people were listening and they were saying that it really resonated with them and that it was making them feel better. And it, and so at first it became about wanting to make other new moms specifically feel less alone. Now it's about all kind of parent-child relationships of any age. Right. And it can be from the perspective of the parent or the child. Um, and as we know from, like, W. Kamau Bell, it can be a grown child. So so I'm just trying to make, like, parenthood more accessible to people because so often I think it gets kind of distilled into, like, mommy bloggers. And and so there there's this thought that, like, it's this, like, self, self-absorbed, like thing that's that's only accessible to other moms who are going through the same thing. And what I'm trying to do is kind of open it up. And like because I feel like parenthood um can be a beat like any other. Yeah. Like in the way that we talk about science or the arts or, you know, business. Um and so I guess right now I'm trying to turn parenting into uh, 
a beat that's interesting to people who don't have kids too. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you, I talk um, to people all the time who don't currently have kids um, who do listen. And I think everyone has family relationships, whether or not they have kids or mm-hmm. even living parents, you know. And I, I, that's, I like the way the show keeps shifting and, and going unexpected places. Well, thanks for coming on and doing this. I hope it was fun for you. It was. We played just little clips from some episodes today. If you want to hear the full episodes, go find them on our website. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to edit this episode. No, God, no. But is there anything you think I should have done differently? No, I mean, it's great. I think you were um, maybe too easy on me. <laughs> that was not the point of this. I'm, I'm hard on you in real life. That's right. <laughs> and remember, we are looking for something to pair with that extra nipples story. Get creative, people. Send us your ideas, your unexpected body issues, whatever this story reminds you of. Go to longestshortesttime.com and leave your comments on this episode. That's episode 97. This podcast is produced by me, Hilary Frank, and Abigail Keel. We are edited, of course, by Peter Clowney. I never remember the edits I give. Our engineers are Pete Karam and the Reverend John Delore. Our theme music is by the Batteries Duo. We get editorial support from Amory Baldonado and Antonia Acatunde. We'll be back with a brand spanking new season starting on October 12th. In that first episode, I'll be talking to comedian and actor Casey Wilson, who says she got a lot of her sensibility from her mom. Like she would rock a purple Speedo bath- one piece bathing suit with like a fur coat and Birkenstocks, just like, here I am. <laughs> Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss this show or any of our next season. And if you want to hear these episodes early, subscribe to our newsletter. Go to LongestShortestTime.com and just enter your email in the little box there, and we will send you a secret link to each show six hours before they post. So on the East Coast, that means you'll hear it at 9 p.m. instead of 3 o'clock in the morning. And let's get real. Nine o'clock is really a more reasonable time to listen, don't you think? So go sign up. And as always, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we are looking for your stories. Right now, we're especially looking for your kids' thoughts on this crazy, crazy election. If your kids are asking questions, we want to know what those questions are. Your child can be any age under voting age. Just go to LongestShortestTime.com and submit your story. Hey folks, it's me, Mark Marin. And if you love podcasts, you don't want to miss, now hear this. A really big podcasting festival coming in October to the Los Angeles area. Come see me and lots of shows you love. More than 30 great podcasts live on six stages. It'll be a weekend full of laughs, storytelling, and your favorite hosts up close. You've got earwolf favorites like Comedy Bang Bang and with special guest Lauren Lapkus. Plus more great shows like Brilliant Idiots, Criminal, and The Moth. 
And I'm doing a special WTF as well. Do a VIP pass for meet and greets with your favorite hosts. Sit up close in reserve seating. Hang out in the VIP lounge and get more special perks as well. It all happens at Now Hear This, October 28th through the 30th in Anaheim, California, right near Los Angeles. Don't miss it. Go to NowHearThisFest.com to buy your tickets. Okay? Good. Great. Stand up. You sing your wolf? Yeah. This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.com.